Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul Gillieri, here you are. Here we are. We are ready to go with another week. And today is the 29-year anniversary to the day of the filming of MTV Unplugged. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> Come on. Wait, re- wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best reaction I could have possibly asked for. <laughs> yeah, we got something <laughs> planned to commemorate this occasion, Jason. We do, we do. The people who, who can't obviously no one can see us, um, even though we are on Zoom here, but man, I that was the best reaction possible. Because everyone's just like <laughs> That was the that was such different energy than we were expecting. <laughs> um, but I'm not stopping down. I'm not gonna edit anything out. We're just gonna roll on through, baby. That's how it is. I like it. Yeah, live and in color. Boom. So uh, that our big thing, as I allude to, is we are going to ask ourselves. Um, well, if they did a new MTV Unplugged, you know, intimate gathering in a television studio, which of course you know Ed loves, if you can recall. The more theater. Um, and you had 10 songs to choose from, which seems like a small amount of time, but you know what? You know, they've got to fill, you know, an hour to an hour and a half, and there's commercials, so you only get 10 songs. What 10 songs do those be? Would those be? And um, interesting choices ahead, I think. But first, mm-hmm. as they say, first things first, we've done a thing on our show called uh Over Under Before. And a light, lightly used segment. A lightly used. Well, we have to spare it because you know there's only 11 albums, so you can't exactly. You can't just bust through them all. But what we're going to do today is we're going to do one of those segments, and here we go. So. This episode's over under is going to focus on lightning bolt, my friend, lightning bolt. And uh, let's start with the over unders. You may take the honors here. I'm going to go with an over overrated track on this one. Yes, over under uh, overrated is first. All right. Title track, lightning bolt. Ooh, I am not happy with you right now. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> my goodness. You okay. know when when this album first dropped, if I recall, you said it was your favorite track on the album. Yes. It was, yeah. It did not, uh, I found it underwhelming. And after all these years, I continue to find it a little underwhelming. It's still my favorite. That's awesome. For you. (laughs) (laughs) I love the energy of this episode so far. Keep going, come on, go. Look, man, I'm not saying it's a bad, it's it's not a bad track, don't get me wrong. Um, And I'm not saying it's a B-side either. I mean, it absolutely deserves to be on the album, I, I would still title the album Lightning Bolt. Don't get me wrong. But for me personally, when I listen to this song, it feels, I don't want to say contrived. But yeah, I guess contrived. Ooh. I don't know why. It just, it comes across that way. When I, when I listen to this song, um, it just kind of has this, uh, 
ode to the muse type of thing. It feels like a dressed up leather records play. No, you get right out of town. I'm t- look, if you think about let the records play and some of these other odes to vinyl, right? It's all about paying homage to the, uh, to, to the, to the great inspiration that is music or whatever it is that inspires you to make music. And lightning bolt seems to be this far more obviously poetic and, and, and well, far better composed, um, ode, if you will, to the, the muses, the inspirations that lead one to creative expression, but it just feels very formulaic to me. It just feels very formulaic. Uh, I, 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 the song structure is not like A, B, A, B, C, A. No, I don't mean like formulaic as in it's a Buddy Holly song. I mean, formulaic as in lyrically, it just comes across as contrived. To me. I don't know what, what, what to say. I mean, if you, if you look at some of the lyrics of it, I don't think it's Eddie's finest work to be honest with you, but if you, if you look at it, comes the, on like a stone, but you don't know where from she was thrown. Like yeah. a, no, <laughs> storing nah. your, Look, I'm not saying the whole thing is a travesty, okay? No, you are. If if I'm going to have to pick a track and say it's overrated, it's not like I'm going to grab, like, My Father's Son or something like that. Who's who's championing that track? It has to be a song that, by all accounts, is Mm well-regarded, and Lightning Bolt is. I just personally find the song to be a little bit on the overrated side. I I, I think that it's it's well-regarded on the album, and, uh, you know, it's... It's overrated, man. Okay. I don't know what you want me to tell you? <laughs> you told me enough for me to be mad at you the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. I'm going with Sirens. I can get behind that too. Uh, second single released just before the album came out. Mm-hmm. I think the band expected this to have like a black vibe to it. And I don't mean like musically speaking, but I mean like how it impacts the fan, how the fan views it. This big ballad type song they really hadn't done maybe since black. And arguably it was the first time they'd ever done. I think somebody challenged them, right? Somebody said, maybe I I could, I I saw something like this in an interview where somebody said, how come you guys have never, never done a ballad before? And they consciously went out to compose a ballad. Now you could say, I think black can be considered a ballad. It may not be the most typical um, style ballad, but it kind of is. Uh, that song's about more about loss and yearning. I mean, to me, this is... You want to talk about contrived. I mean, this, this one fits the bill even more. Than it black. does. And I would say, you know, musically speaking, comeback, it fits in a similar vein. I'm not saying it's a ballad, but it has a kind of a, the same vibe to it, you know? Right. But... And I, and I say that I mentioned black and, and funny enough, the guys in black circle think that or joke that this is the new black, you know, it's, 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 it's fine. It's fine. There, there are some nice parts. I like the 12 string guitar. I like Mike solo. It has some, it has some nice lines from Ed, but overall his singing is kind of in a zone. That's not my real cup of tea. And I say it's overrated because I think the band really tried to make this happen. Uh, and the fans were just like, yeah, it's um, it's a song and uh, it's not terrible, but it's uh, it's fine. I mean, and he like, didn't fit words in like obesely overgrown and subterfuge, but hey, we have lights in both. Brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, sirens little. Over- hey, I don't hate the song. I'm just saying, no, I t- think the band rated it highly and they were trying to pump it and it just did not hit. 
Yeah, I mean, I do like how the band all sings. Like the the video version, mm. the the audio cut of the video version, I think is stronger than the one that's that's on the album itself. Okay, I could see that. So yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I think those two tracks were highly regarded from the album mm. and were, were were really pumped. I mean, I think they both, played both lightning. They played lightning bolt on uh, was it Fallon or Letterman? One of those. Uh, I don't recall. I forget who it was, but uh, those were the two songs I thought that they were really pushing for the album. And in retrospect, I think there were there were better tracks for that. Mm. Let's move to, uh, I think I know what you're going to say for underrated, but you tell me. Uh, it's not Yellow Moon. Oh, well, then I'm wrong. Yeah, because I don't think that's an underrated song. Uh, if it is, that, that, that's a shame. The underrated song for me is Getaway. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the it's to me it's stronger than uh, the opening of Backspacer. Um, I've always felt like Getaway and Mind Your Manners kind of had like an interesting kind of when coupled with Got Some and uh, Gonna See My Friend, obviously in the inverse order, of course, mm. just coming at you hard out of the gates. I felt like Getaway and Mind Your Manners did a much better job of that. And I've been off critical of the whole dad punk thing and whatnot. I, I do think Mind Your Manners is a fairly strong track, not as strong as Super Blood Wolf Moon, but I do feel that Getaway is an outstanding opening track. And uh, lyrically, I like it a lot. I find it really interesting. Um, I, I like the, the the critical element of it and the, the social commentary facet that's, that, that really looks at faith and, and the exploitation of, of those who are in vulnerable states and what have you. And so... I think it's an underrated song, man. I, 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 I'm surprised. I don't ever hear anybody talking about it. You rarely yeah. hear it played live anymore. I actually find it to be one of the stronger compositions on the album. I don't disagree with you, but I'm going to choose something else. And that song is Future Days. Hmm. I've is heard that it, underrated? Yeah, I think so. And I think many people rip on this song. I think a lot That's of people find... I, I agree. I, I think it's beautiful. It was one of my favorite tracks when I first heard that. Listen, as do I. As I've said before on this on this show, I chose it as my my first song at my wedding. Yeah. Uh, I think people find the piano intro kind of schmaltzy, and I get that, but I disagree. I think it suits the mood. And, you know, maybe you have to be in love to get it. I don't, I don't know for sure. I don't think... So. I mean, surely there are people who are in love that don't like this song, but I find the intimacy of the music matching the intimacy of the lyrics just really, really goes well. And some of my favorite lyrics from the record are on this song. I mean, all the complexities in games, no one wins, but somehow they're still played all the missing crooked hearts. They may die, but in us, they live on. So poetically, it speaks about our desire to find true love that, you know, that will fight through all the bullshit just to get there. And that the journey isn't what matters so much as the destination the destination makes the journey worthwhile. And I think that's yeah. a wonderful sentiment. It's wonderful to have that as the closing track. You know, it reminds me of how maybe love boat captain should have opened riot act, you know, with a, with a nice gesture. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of future days haters out there. And I know there's a lot of haters of lightning bolt and his production style. And it's kind of shrill and, and a little harsh to the ear. And I kind of get that too, but I think that this song is underrated. Yeah. I can get behind that too. All right. Fair enough. I'm not mad at you anymore. Excellent. All right. We By the way, be friends again. 
<laughs> okay, let's go to our meat and potatoes here. I mentioned it at the top of the show. It is uh, the 29th anniversary to the day of the filming of MTV Unplugged Pearl Jam live from Astoria, Queens, New York. I believe actually in the same studio that they filmed Sesame Street, if I'm not mistaken. Fun wow. fact for you. Yeah. So the idea here is, what if you had 10 songs to put together a new MTV Unplugged? Now that we're all these years later. Now, I will say that, um, if you don't mind, I'll go first. Please. Okay. So I, and I'm sure you, Paul, and everybody else is listening to this, is certainly aware of the fact that there was a show called Live at Benaroya Hall. Yep. And that was a a released album live album to everyone it was in 2003 i want to say october 22nd Mm -hmm. 2003 there's been a lot of music since then but uh, i should say one of the reasons why i think it's worthwhile to have this uh this episode in this 10 song limit here is that there has been a lot of music since that album came out so there's more to choose from and two there was no video or tv component to to showcase uh, an intimate setting such as a, a TV studio with maybe a hundred people in it versus Ben Royal Hall, which has a few thousand people in it. So a different vibe, certain songs translate to smaller vibes uh, or mm-hmm. bigger vibes, right? So okay. I think there is enough wiggle room here where you can find songs that maybe didn't even make the cut at Ben Arroyo or haven't been played acoustically really since the early days. There's enough right. here. So I'm going to start and I've got a nice set list here. Um, chosen. How many, how many songs do you have? Uh, I've got I got ten. You went with the ten. Do you ha- do you have one or two bonus tracks that maybe yes. maybe get played during intermission that you know find um, their way on an audience style? I may or may or not have have sort of cheated and added a a, a, a track at the end as like an encore. Okay, because I just couldn't help myself. There's like probably on my short list like twenty some odd songs. Yep. So I had to pare it down. <laughs> I had 21. So I think we were, we were right in line with each other on that one. Yeah. All right. So here I go. First track, Wash. Now, interesting. classic song. I don't recall hearing it um, acoustically since maybe Europe 92, since that Zurich show, or maybe it was Paris where they had that, that little tiny stage and they didn't have enough uh, room to play their full set. And it, it was like in a music store, I think, or like a tower record or something in France. And this would serve as a link and a nod to the original show in 92 for me. So this is like the one old show that I think would really uh, be a good transition, a good bridge. Next, here's the first curveball. Ghost. I like it. It would be fun to hear this, in your terms, dad punk song, this punk (laughs) rocker done on acoustic. I think unlike... Uh, other songs in this style, I believe it suits acoustic guitar strumming as opposed to something like Life Wasted or Supersonic. I think it would work out nicely. That gets us into In My Tree. Stripped down, this song would soar. There's so many textural things that Boom could add, and it would really be heard as well as the original, in my opinion. I, I think it would be one of those things that all of a sudden... You know, it's an older song, so you get some of the people who are a little more diehard to pop up. Uh, all of a sudden, you've raised the bar again. Now we go with Unthought Known. It's another mid-tempo rocker that lends itself to the acoustic guitar, as I mentioned with Ghost. Uh, notes would ring out in a lovely, rustic way, in my opinion, on this song that would 
ground it in a way that we usually don't feel with it. It's a usually a soaring song, but I think grounding it would make it feel a little bit more accessible without dampening the spirit of it. So I like Unthought Known there at number four. Number five, Parachutes. I like that. The only song that really wouldn't be changed too much for an unplugged experience. You know, it's already acoustic. It's. I, I think Boom would be more present in this version. And it's a song we haven't really heard much of at all anyway. Just, you know, acoustic or not, you know, or, you know, soft portion of the, of the concert or regular part of the concert. We just haven't really heard it. So... I think this is the one exception to my rule of a song. Um, I'm kind of giving something away here, but you know, being already an acoustic song, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this harkens back to the whole Ben Arroyo thing. And there's a lot of songs at Ben Arroyo that were acoustic by nature that kind of slotted into that whole show's um, aesthetic. So I'm trying to change things up a little bit here. After Parachutes, number six, Nothing Man. Beautiful. Wasn't played at Ben Arroyo. It's got interesting quality when Stone has chosen to play it with the resonator guitar. I think it would be an interesting song to hear um, with that or a big bodied acoustic like an SJ200 uh, made by Gibson. Those are these huge guitars. If you recall, um, Eddie on Howard Stern, that's what he played. This huge, just grand, massive guitar. It's huge sound. I think it would be really, really cool. And because this song is played with a capo, or as our friends in England would say, a capo, uh, that main riff could sound just really lovely played this way. And what a chance for Ed to soar vocally. So we're in the middle of the set. He can still do it. He's not, he hasn't crushed his voice just yet. I think it would be great. Let's go from Nothing Man. And I think thematically, it flows nicely into Light Years. A song that builds and goes from obviously a candidate to be transposed to acoustic to I don't know if that'd work because it gets a little heavier at the end. But this is where the genius of Pearl Jam will be on display. Around the 250 mark, when things get a little more rocking, I can see some really lovely guitar interplay with Boom kind of keeping the mood lifted. And it'll add a whole new dimension to this song, in my opinion. From here, we're going to kind of stay a little dark. WMA. Ooh. We've already gotten a taste of this song acoustically when it was rearranged in 2008. Mm-hmm. I believe we talked about that in our song, our evolution song thing. What do we call that? Do the evolution. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they should bring that exact version back, but I wouldn't be mad at them either. And I think a great song either way and one befitting the times, especially now, it deserves a shot in the spotlight that an MTV unplugged kind of show would present it, you know? With you on that. Next song, number nine, Lucan. And of course, it's going to be the version from May 2010 in New York, the slow down Lucan. Lovely song. Yeah. If they could get some sort of extra string thing happening with Boom, even better. I think it has, you know, there are fewer lovely surprises than hearing Lucan as it was at the garden back in the day. Yeah. Even though we don't have the strings to help Ed with this song. I think Boom can do some stuff. And I think Matt could play some other kind of percussion. There's just so much empty paper here for the others to kind of color in. And it's just, it, it, it creates an opportunity on a big television show and a stage like this to reinterpret the song even more. As simple of a song as it is, it could be really, really cool, especially this low in the set or this deep in the set, I should say. Then we go to the quote unquote main set closer for me. And that would be In Hiding. 
This might be one of the most underrated songs in the entire catalog, and it's ripe for acoustic transposing. All the guitar parts would sound great in their own way unplugged, and by this point in the show, the audience would be singing along to everything, helping Ed out on those really tough chorus notes that he can barely hit anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a great way to reach the apex of the night for me. And so everyone thinks it's over. Hey, wait, okay, we'll do one more song. We'll do one more, okay. And they, they come back after their you know fake uh, encore break, come back out, and it's indifference. And they leave us with this. This one is really leans on Jeff and Boom. And while there isn't a lot for Mike and Stone to do, they have the opportunity to go full gigaton and just bust out some funky instruments and really change up an old classic. And just what a way to end a phenomenally, um, I think, legendary show that we would think of it that way uh, as the course of time progresses. And, and we see this show for what it is. Um, indifference would really be seen in a great light. Uh, if it was done this way. So there's my set list again for you. It's Wash, Ghost, In My Tree, Unthought Known, Parachutes, Nothing Man, Light Years, WMA, Lucan, In Hiding, Indifference. Great stuff, man. Any thoughts now, before it, you go down, down your rabbit hole? I, I, I love Wash. Uh, a big fan of Ending with Indifference. I like that one a lot. Um, I like some of the wild cards you threw in there. Um, the ideas behind in hiding with the crowd, I mm. think could be really, really cool. Enjoyed that. I like the way you integrated boom, like the, the, the ways that you thought about featuring him lends that lends itself perfectly to a set list like this. So I thought, uh, well done. Very, very well done. And pretty much was, most of these songs were not played at Benaroya. I think almost yeah. all of them were not played at Benaroya. Yeah. Well, well the set list I have not a single track overlaps of Benaroya. I, Beautiful. I, but, but I'm curious, like, what? Why did you leave off a song like Future Days, or did, um, did you just want to steer away from tracks that are naturally acu acoustic, or uh, partially? Yes. So, a couple of things was, uh, I, I, you know, one of the songs that was on my shortlist was Immortality, but again, played at Ben Arroyo. Um, even though it'd be awesome to have this kind of a show, especially on a bigger stage. Even, technically, it was a single, but I don't think I ever reached like single status, you know? No. Amongst even, well, uh, except amongst us crazy people, um, amongst the general public or gen pop, as I like to call them, uh, it was not. But, you know, it was played at Ben Arroy, So it's available out there in this kind of format. But right. so it comes down to if it was a song or if it is a song that is already an acoustic song, like an Off He Goes, like an Around the Bend like a future days, like a comes then goes. These are songs that we already hear in that way. And so if I'm limited to 10 songs, I don't want to take up a spot for something that could be a really a unique experience. Right. And especially for songs that are just Ed, like comes then goes or like future days or the end or just breathe. Right. Like, again, I'm here to see the band do their thing. I don't need to see just Ed do it because again, he'll just do that on his own as like a, encore opener so if i'm limited to 10 songs i gotta cut the line somewhere i hear you all right what do you got so just a couple of quick notes similar thought process so i didn't include indifference on mine i didn't include corduroy um, these are songs that i want to say came out as bridge school tracks at mm. one point or another so we have had that experience of hearing you mean immortality slightly. or indifference. Uh, 
immortality, but uh, indifference as well. Okay, sorry. I think I feel like we we've heard that acoustic as well. Um, Lucan, I love the slow down Lucan. I feel like that was kind of a moment in time with the strings, mm. where to try and recreate it now would kind of. I don't want to say dampen the impact, but that's a song that I, I what I liked is how you, you were you thought about reworking them. And I think taking songs and reworking them was perfect for the episode that we did where we imagined Pearl Jam being accompanied by a symphony. Mm-hmm. And I think a song like that would be right for that. Um, I did leave off purely Ed's songs. Uh, one song that almost made my list was Gone. But again, strong Ed track. Where, right. When I say strong, I mean him at the forefront of it. But I thought that would have been an interesting song to do uh, as an unplugged track. But it's so heavy in the acoustic in the beginning that I, I didn't know if it would if it would translate quite as well. Same thing with Speed of Sound. There's an acoustic version of that out there. So you, you can kind of get a sense for that. The, the, the song that really, really I had a hard time cutting away, believe it or not, was Sirens. Hmm. Uh, only because, well, I think both of us would agree that it's somewhat of an overrated track given its, its placement within the, the, the release culture. And, and when I say release culture, I mean, hey, let's single this out as a, as a single and let's, let's push this to try and promote sure. the album. But I think in this format, it would have been a strong offering. Agreed. But uh, it did not make, make my cut. Uh, but I can imagine if they do another unplugged album, it's probably a track that makes it on there. So for me, I would open with I Am Mine. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I like kind of coming in with just this existential stamp and, and just saying, look, you know, th- this set list is, is really very much kind of reimagining, not by restructuring and reformatting songs, but more just kind of coming at it from uh, a new new unplugged, as it were, uh, which I think Ben Aroya did to a certain extent. But again, you know, we're make believe here. So then I would come in hot right off I Am Mine at number two. I would do Yellow Moon. And mm-hmm. I imagine Mike's solo actually is done by strings, like an oboe or a Ooh. fiddle or a violin, something. I think it could be really beautiful, and I think it would be a, a standout track, actually. Uh, I would imagine something like this, if they did work it in, will probably happen later in the album. But I kind of liked it nice and early, just because it really whets the appetite and gives you a sense of what the show is going to be like. At number three, I would come in probably with Who You Are. Uh, you know, this is a song that it, it appeared on their Greatest Hits album. And I feel like it's one of those tracks that it's a treat anytime they play it. It really is. And, and I don't, I've never met anybody that dislikes the track. I think it's the type of song that would be fascinating to hear played in an unplugged fashion. I could see the crowd really getting with that eclectic mm. world beat. I think it'd be a lot of fun to hear. Um, Do they bring Jack Irons out for just that one song? Uh, I wouldn't mind it, but I, you know what? I, it just the couple times they've played it acoustically live with Matt behind drums, he does he does a fine job with yeah. it, and he, he really does bring his own flair. I like that he doesn't try to recreate that beat, and he just plays it the way Matt Cameron would play it. So it's almost like you get to hear the song played in a different way, uh, with, with at least a couple times that we've heard him play it live with the band. So that would be where I sit at three. Number four, I'd come in with Light Years. I think it's a, nice beautiful track perfect setting for this it's intimate i could see you know some candles in the background it's some it cell phone well. uh, some lights. cell phone yeah exactly <laughs> but that that's the type of song where i could easily see myself saying i prefer this version to the one on the album mm. yeah uh then i, I go a little bit a little back further i do wish list mm-hmm. um 
I think Wishlist would be an interesting track in this format. I think it'd be nice and hushed. It'd be quiet. Uh, and it, it would really sit a little differently than it does on the album. And I like that about that. Uh, let's see. Six, I come in with Ghost. I think you and I were of luck. Wow. That. I, nice. I like that, that, that heavy crunching guitar, but played acoustically. I think it would really just kind of bring the hammer down, especially after kind of a bit of a hushed song like Wishlist. So I, I, I like the way that plays afterwards. Uh, from there, I'd go into Parachutes. Had to bring it back down again and go a little quirky, a little offbeat. So I think you and I were, again, on the same wavelength with that. Coming in at eight, I do nothing, man, which I think, you know, what we saw with Yellow Moon, we would be coming back again with really integrating the strings in a way that I think would complement the song beautifully. At nine, I would go smile. And I think I'd love Ooh, to hear yes. a harmonica come out here. Yes. And I think I think this song would be fascinating to hear in this format as well. I think it'd play very, very well, and it'd be fun. And again, it'd be one of those highlights of the show. Uh, at 10 would be what feels like a song that you, you wouldn't expect to hear. It, I go with Other Side. Oh, nice. And what I liked about Ben Royal was the inclusion of Fatal. And I like how they kind of worked in one of those, those B-sides off of Lost Dogs. And I felt like that was a, a beautiful setting for a track like that. It, it, it's a, a song that a lot of fans will hold up signs for, Fatal. But we've heard that in that setting now. But a song like Other Side, I think is it's a gorgeous ballad about loss. And I, I think it's one of Jeff's most underrated tracks. And I think it would work very, very well in this setting. It kind of have almost like a, um, a a melancholy cathedral feel to it. If you play almost it like a right eulogy. Way. Yeah, it feel like a eulogy. So it, it almost feel like a, a closing track in the way that Parting Ways feels on Binaural. Wow, yes. However, they would leave. <laughs> they'd come back. I know you're not going to like this, but I think this would be the perfect encore. And oh, God. It would actually it would be received well. No, I, I would go with 7 o'clock. I think they, they'd come oh, back out. I know. They, they, I feel like if, if they were playing live right now, this would be that song that's really connecting with people. I feel like when they dropped Gigaton, um, seven o'clock was the song that was going to have that kind of, you know, it, it was going to be the I Am Mine or the Sirens or the, you know, the, uh, the, the Just Breathe of this album. It just felt like it was going to be one of those lead singles that eventually kind of came out. Now, granted, we heard singles come out like we got um, Retrograde, which was it, it's too soaring, I think, to hear in this right. setting. But we also received Super Blood Wolf Moon. We got Dance of the Clairvoyance. So they really kind of went a little off the beaten path with what they released. But I felt like 7 o'clock was going to be that one that was, it seemed to resonate a lot with the fan base. Uh, I, you and I, obviously, it didn't speak to us in great volumes. But I do believe, and you, you said this, that on boards, there were a lot of people that felt like it was one of the best songs they'd ever yep. written. And while I don't necessarily agree with that, I understand why some folks have listened to that track and said, man, wow, this this really talks to me in ways that, that other tracks don't. In the same vein that River Cross doesn't speak to me in that way, but for others, it's, it brings them to tears. And I respect that. But I could see a song like Seven O'Clock being something that they come back out with and then they play. And it's just, you know, obviously the faithful fans that are there in attendance all clap and it, it, it ends up being a really nice way to, to close the, the show. So let me ask you this, though. Because it's your set list, do you want that to close the show? Or do you think would, it would be nice? I, I think it'd be nice. I actually think it'd be a really fascinating experience to hear the song played in a setting like this, played 
unplugged. Um, I feel like there's a, there, there are certain swells and effects on the track that I, I'd like to hear it stripped down a bit more. But with the whole band involved, I don't just mean like Eddie and one guitar. I mean, like get, get everybody involved. But I feel like this song would actually maintain its heart and it would maintain um, the deeper meaning without necessarily having to suffer from production. I feel like there's something about the production of the song that elevates it on the album in a way that allows an audience or a listener to connect with it. But at the same time, much like Sirens, I feel like it, it somewhat suffers from that. And that's why I like the live version of Sirens and a video version. I feel like you strip away some of the production and it actually, it has more of a soul to it. And I, I feel like Seven O'Clock would be one of those numbers that if played as an unplugged version, it would really, really feel like a more organic offering. And I, I feel like you'd really see the band come together behind it in a way that makes the song feel new and fresh, perhaps even superior to the version that we currently have. Well, this is my big uh, criticism of Gigaton, just, you know, at large, is that while I like the album as a whole, there are definitely parts and songs that I think lean on the production and the quirky elements and sounds that they added to create that vibe and good on them for creating a, a new unique vibe for them. I just was like, how are they going to translate this? Now, some of that is, is a little um, apprehensive, like, oh man, is this song going to suffer? And some of them I'm like, oh, I think this is going to sound even better. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it would go because I feel like seven o'clock really relies on a lot of that, especially in the choruses. Exactly. What would happen? I feel like it would work well because if you look at a band like the Beatles, they really became a studio band. You know, I mean, after Rubber Soul, they really kind of disappeared in the studio. They stopped touring and you had albums like uh, Revolver and um, Sgt. Peppers and, and these albums that were basically experimental studio just you know escapades and ironically pearl jam is a very different band that as much as they continue to explore you look at a song like dance of the clairvoyance they love playing live they literally record to play live and so i don't ever worry about that i don't feel the same level of apprehensiveness because i know that when they record a song at the forefront of their mind is how awesome it's going to be to play this live so i don't know in their minds how they imagine it sounding but you take a track like Dance of the Clairvoyance, we saw them put that together live. So that to me just completely rested all concerns. So I would love to hear what they do with the track like Seven O'Clock. And I feel like that would be the type of song that they would feature in an album like this. But I love how we had two very different set lists Mm -hmm. and the crossover tracks were really like songs like ghost and parachutes. Like what what are the odds of that? I I love that. I thought I was going to throw you completely off the trail there with ghost. No, no, we we had the same pitch arsenal, buddy. It's the same (laughs) curveball. (laughs) Same 12 to sixer. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted to, I really wanted to get a song back to our gigaton real quick. I really wanted to get a song like, like buckle up or it comes and goes on, but comes and goes doesn't work because it's only Ed and buckle up doesn't work because it's, it's more or less acoustic by itself. And there are better songs I'd rather hear, you know? So there, there, there was a lot of songs that just, I couldn't fit within 10, but I, tr- I thought it was pretty eclectic. I, I kind of went all over the map here. Uh, yeah. Early, no, so, so, yeah. Career. Um, but yeah, the fact that we had, was it nothing man parachutes ghost. 
Light uh, years. So mine, I'll just run it through again. Yeah. yeah we yeah, start off with, with I am mine. Then we do yellow moon. From there at three, we went to who you are. At four was light years. Five is wish list. Six was ghost. And then parachutes at seven. Eight was nothing man. Nine was smile. Ten was other side. And then uh, seven o'clock was kind of the, the cap. The bonus. The bonus. I like it. I can't wait to see what people think about these set lists because if someone said, hey, there's going to be another MTV Unplugged, you might think people are going to be like, oh, great. Let's do a lot of the songs we've heard before. Let's do Immortality. Let's do Quarter. Let's do Porch and Black and Oceans. It's like, oh, we've already heard those songs before. How about you yeah. change it up a little bit? So I'm curious to see if, if you guys are into kind of going over the, the best songs for, for the moment or something new to create a unique experience and a new, maybe a new legendary song in, in that regard. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Um, tell, tell us if you think my set list was terrible or song and, and Paul's was great or vice versa, or both were great or both were terrible. I hope not that part. <laughs> At any rate, we look forward to talking and talking to you on that. And uh, let's move on to our lyric of the week. This week's lyric of the week comes from Backspacer. It's the title. It's the title track. It's the lead track. There's no title track. Yep. Backspacer. It's the lead track, and it's called "Gonna See My Friend." Okay, Paul. Gonna see my friend. We've chosen, uh, looks to be like, uh, the, what is this, the second or third verse? I don't know. Bridge? Mm-hmm. Anywho, what do, you, what do you think of this? You know, man, when I first heard this, it felt like that whole, the, the whole spin the black circle thing again, mm. where it was just this, you know, it's really about vinyl, but it's not, right? Um, and it, I was just looking at lines like, going to take me an astral plane. I'm going to tunnel through denial. I'm going to shake this day. I want to shake this day before I retire. And the idea of retire was, and I'm still wrapping my head around this. When we say before I retire, do we mean retire for the night? Do we mean retire in life? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean, or maybe I do mean like job wise, it's time to finally just go into the twilight years of your life at rest. Or does it mean retire as in it's time, you know, swan song, it's time to pass on to a new world. And, uh, I always found that fascinating because your interpretation of just that single word, I think completely changes the song. Yep. It really, really does. Um, And, you know, this song kind of comes at you hard in the beginning. And the idea was that, you know, he's going to see a friend. And and, and in the beginning, a lot of people interpreted this song about going to see a friend about drugs. It was like, you know, getting your fix. But later we really understand that the fix is music. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like this was essentially spin the black circle in some ways, but it was done in a way that was more reflective of who Pearl Jam had become by 2009, 2010 in ways that say, let the records play, which is far more on the nose on lightning bolt in 2013. Cause I've heard others compare, you know, let the records play to being the new Pearl Jam's spin the black circle, but spin the black circle won a Grammy, let the records play 
is not really played on records by most fans <laughs> listening to Pearl Jam these days. And and then look, I mean, we've had these conversations before, yeah. and, and you know, this is uh, we had one episode where. I feel like it wasn't a roast of Pearl Jam, but it was one of those things where we oh, kind of yeah. looked at certain tracks and we were just kind of just being honest about how we feel about them. That one was a song that neither one of us necessarily wanted to exalt on pedestals. I may or may not have crushed that song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but this particular track here, I feel like is a far more accurate uh, depiction of Pearl Jam replicating to some degree what that, that, that idea was about in spin the black circle and, 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 and you know, this addiction essentially to music or to vinyl because that's a lot of people back in the day i'll never forget i was a kurt loader on mtv there was this controversy about how you know people were interpreting spin the black circle as basically a heroin song yeah. and people wanted a band off radio and obviously you, you know if this song gonna see my friend comes out at, at the same time it's probably interpreted the same way it's about you know the pearl jams getting getting the young folk to go out and do drugs you know <laughs> that's, that's not what's happening at all so in a lot of ways i feel like this particular song here tunneling through denial shaking off this day before i retire uh but black as a tattoo i thought was a great line as well because it it really does make me think of black off 10 i mean talk about almost identical word usage mm. i mean the word choice is essentially identical and so there's just a lot of parallels to some early pearl jam here and it's one of those songs that i'm not going to try to ascribe deeper meaning necessarily i know i've done that in the past with lyrics of the week but for me it was just more of kind of just these interesting connections and and just little nuances of the lyrics that stood out to me and uh i just wanted to take it easy with this one buddy you know well, tell you what, I am not going to take it easy. All and right. This is great. I, I like I, it. Adjust a position. Well, I am and I'm not. See, I'm going to go down the the original obvious path. I'm going to take that knee-jerk reaction meaning, and I'm going to dive into that pool because why the hell not? If everyone else is going off Do this it. way, I'm going to go the obvious path and take it for what everyone kind of thought it was out of the gate or what Kurt Loder might have thought of it back in the day. So- a song about battling addiction and overcoming it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Being hard as a statue, etc., might seem like the subject is stubborn, but I think it's about strength and resolve. Okay. That tattoo is never washing away. Some people turn to religion or a higher power in some regard to get themselves through it, hence the astral plane line. You've got to be strong mentally to get past the physical obstacles of addiction. When your body is jonesing for something, you need to move past the mental hurdles that lie to you, that say you don't need to fix yourself. Now, at least acknowledging and having the desire to get better, to be healthy before the addiction, the disease kills you is the most important step. This is in stark contrast to the chorus which talks about the urge to go back to your dealer for, quote, what you require. If we're going to be in the obvious pool. My metaphor is correct here? You're pool on pool, point. right? Okay, we're still yeah. in the same place. It's that internal fight that this song does a good job of articulating. Wanting to get past your addictions and getting better permanently versus continuing your addiction to feel good temporarily. It's a fight I wish less people had to fight. And I think... If you try and think about this song, less of a superficial way that it probably is about and think of it more in the knee-jerk reaction, but deeper way, 
I think the song actually becomes far better because, you know, it's the dad punk thing going on. It's actually kind of a fun song. If you think about it just unto itself, you know, it, I think about people who would go back and, and listen to uh, Load and Reload of Metallica and be like, oh, this, this is terrible. It's not like Master Puppets. It's like, dude, of course it's not. But if you just take it for what it is, do you like the song? Yeah. If, if it was band XYZ, uh, you know, would you like the song? And I would say, yeah, it's a fun little rock and roll song, punky, it's quick, it's to the point. There's no fat on the bone here. It's just all meat. And if you read these lyrics and you want to go down this obvious route, it's got a little bit of depth here, got a little bit of give and take. So you know what? I say to the people out there who don't like this song or think it's too obviously um, about spinning records, hey, stop that. This is a cool song. And yeah, there you go. I, I want to say when this came out that it was your favorite track after after your first listen, wasn't it? I could have sworn that you said I don't recall. it was. I remember when you heard this album, because mm-hmm. when we first started hanging out like a lot, we went to these shows at the Gibson. Correct. And we were both listening to this album. And, and I remember asking you, like, so what's your favorite track? And I'm like, you know what, man? I think it's going to see my friend so far. Just a couple of listens through. That's the one that stands out the most. You were really into that track. I think it's a it's a fun down 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 like out of the yeah. gate you're just just busting this that that soloy line thing with the bands uh-huh. and like it's just rocking. It is. Uh, I'm not yeah. a fan lyrically of it at first. I think uh, the Buena Sera thing really just just it was cringe inducing. Oh, to me the, at first. saying good night in another language within a song of English just seems like a very odd thing to do. It's just kind yeah, of kitschy. But 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 aside from that, musically, I mean, it's a. Uh, it, it, it's a fun song. Go back, guys. Go back and listen to it again, and you can choose my path, Paul's path, or your own path in reading these lyrics again, and maybe you add some value to the song and you listen to it again and again. I don't know. Or just, or go listen to it live. Which we could do right now with a lot yeah. of time of the week. Here we are, live cut of the week for going to see my friend. Paul is the um, the uh, executor of segues. The yeah, I'm trying to think <laughs> of, a, of alliteration here. The Sultan of segues. There you go, buddy. There we go. I got it. I found it. Where and when are we going for going to see my friend? We're going to Philadelphia, and we're going there in October in two thousand and nine, oh, specifically baby. October thirtieth. It's a good, 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 good series of shows. Oh, not a bad run at all. Not a bad run at all. And this, I, I feel like they, they intentionally walked in and said, we are going to bring our A game for this. <laughs> and, and they definitely did, as we all know. And uh, this particular song, being of the album that was released that year, I think it, this is the finest version of it. it it's it's the, arguably the quintessential uh, set you know, or, or, or list of shows from this tour uh, in the same way that um, in 06 with Avocado, oh, we the, had the gorge. Uh, the gorge, right? I, I feel like, you know, there's certain box sets, as it were, where if you really think about, okay, which shows really truly were the hallmarks or the uh, perfect expressions of, of this tour. I feel like this particular thing, it was a legendary set of shows. 
and uh, they just went in and they were they had that mentality. So you'll find that there's some outstanding versions of a lot of songs from those shows. But to take a song that actually was fresh, that the band was excited about playing live because they're always jazzed when it's the new stuff and they get to play it live. So they really brought it. It was it was already amplified given the circumstances and the context of, of this particular uh, show. And going to see my friend just crushes on this. They rock out. Well, let's go to the second to last night ever at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, October 30th, 2009. Everybody ready? It's a banger right out of the gate. Leads off yeah. the night. Leads off night three. Uh, so they're fresh. <laughs> the Spectrum, as we said, it, it's a legendary venue. Um, hey, live debut for Hold On. First yep. time playing deep in 196 shows. First time playing Habit in 146 shows. Parting ways for the first time in 126 shows. So there were a lot of, I mean, 
that those four nights you had all these different new things you had bugs for the first time whatever which i loved um so many of us including those who were there remember this run quite fondly uh we have the box set to enjoy as best we can and there's yeah. many videos up on youtube as well if you haven't already seen them the spectrums the spectrum runs um run of shows started with a two or three minute vignette of all the legendary events that happened at the arena uh, so you've got f- fights, you got Flyers games, you got Sixers games, yeah. you've got big time concerts, all these fond memories. And once that's done, this like horns centric music, almost like the Rocky theme, but not quite the Rocky theme. It's like an arrival of a king plays as Pearl Jam walks out and the crowd is going apeshit because they just watch like the Broad Street Boys and like Dr. J like jam at home. Right. And all of a sudden Pearl Jam walks up to this like kingmaker music and then bam, right out of the gate, hit him right in the face while they're still pumped up. So, so friggin' cool. What a way to start a show. And yep. anybody who's from that area or happened to have flown in for that show or those set of shows, let us know what you really think. Because th- though I've only read great things about those shows and we've seen and heard with our own eyes, but accounts, physical um accounts from on the floor in the seats it would, be, it would be great to hear so what a what a good choice for this trunk for this song there you go there you go i think we we, we got to go see a friend buddy we got to go see a friend about something else uh mm-hmm. that's, that's a, we got to go see a horse about a guy is that how it goes mm-hmm. gonna leak? <laughs> <laughs> i forget how the expression <laughs> goes anywho we may or may not have teased something at the very beginning of this episode, guys, and that will be next week's episode. We'll be retracking something. We will be. Oh, and as a matter of fact, I have an idea. What's that? You know what, Jason? We're going to do a giveaway. Ooh, what are we going to give away? We're gonna do, if somebody listening can guess which album we are going to retrack and can point to the moment in this episode that points to that retracking, that person will win. I don't know what that is yet, but we'll talk about that off air and we'll figure out what it a is. A lovely prize. A maybe, lovely prize. Maybe it'll be signed by somebody like my son or your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we'll get something good for you. We got we got trinkets. Yeah. We got trinkets. Why not? Let's have some fun. I've been wanting to do giveaways for a while. Yeah. I'm excited about this. Okay, gang. Until uh, next week, maybe you'll chime in and tell us what the uh, the right answer here. We'll be yeah. retracking something. Um, so until then, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. State of-